We are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. I don't know about you, but there's nothing worse than feeling trapped. Have you ever been trapped? Like you were confined. How many claustrophobic people do I have in here? Come on, raise your hand. My wife's claustrophobic. So uh, a few years back, we're in Macy's of uh, New York City, the Macy's. It's like, I don't know, eight, nine stories high. It's huge. So we're like walking around Macy's. It's Christmas time, and it's me, her, and our three kids. At that time, Faith was in the stroller. And so we're walking around Macy's, and there's just like a bazillion people in there. Everybody goes to Macy's in Manhattan. It's beautiful. They decorate it real nice, and just so many cool things. And so we get on the elevator to go up to like the fourth or fifth floor or whatever, and uh, Tara's there, face in the stroller, and then I'm there with the other two kids, and we're the first ones on the elevator. And so... The elevator is small. It's a real old building that this Macy's is in. So the elevators were built real small back then. And uh, we're on the first floor. We get on the elevator. It goes up to the second. A few more people get on the elevator. We're like, okay, we're cool. We go to the second or third floor. A few more people get on the elevator. By now, it's kind of getting a little, you know, tight. You know what I'm saying? Like the air is a little thin now. And uh, we go to the next floor, and there's probably like 10 people standing outside this elevator. And would you know all 10 of them try to get in when there's already like 15 people in this elevator? Now, here's my wife, okay? And my wife, you know, she's a nice lady, right? You guys, she's nice, right? (laughs) Come on, work with me. She's nice, and she's very kind. If any of you know Tara, she has a way of demoting you, but you think you're getting promoted. She's just like, honey, you do such a great job at this, but you know what? God has promoted you today, and you are such a blessing. And she's just amazing with her words and just, you know, their heart felt. So if she said that to you, just their heart felt that she means that. She's just so careful with her words and so kind. And, and, and here she is in the back of the elevator. It's packed already, but all 10 New Yorkers think they're going to get on. Because one thing about New Yorkers is they ain't got time to wait. They're in a hurry for everything, okay? And so they get on, and they're piling in, and I'm looking at her. I'm sweating already, right? I got a baby in a stroller, and I got my wife right there, and she's just like, she loses it, folks, on the New Yorkers. This Indiana girl just goes off like Hey, I'm here in the back and I got a baby. You guys are squishing me. (laughs) And she's just like yelling at these people, getting on the elevator, and they're not listening to her. So she goes from this level to that level real quick. And there's very few times I've seen my wife mad in public, and this is one of them that I'll never forget. She starts yelling at the next dude trying to, hey, I can't move back here. I can't breathe. I got a baby in my stroller. You need to wait. Now, in New York, you say that kind of stuff. People get shot. (laughs) 
I mean, just bodies laying everywhere. Like, road rage is real. It's real there. If you don't drive 80 or 90, like, you're going to die. You're going to die. Some of you know my struggle, my temptation. It's on the road because I lived in Jersey for eight years. Anyway, and so I'll never forget that. The fact that she just went bananas on these people because she felt trapped. Someone say trapped. Trapped. I'll never forget when I felt trapped. It was in high school, and uh, I, I was in the 10th grade, and I realized that my life had gone down a wrong path. I realized that, man, I was having so much fun, but it came to a point in my life where I discovered that I was trapped. I was trapped to that feeling. I was trapped and, and confined to this, this party lifestyle that I was around, those environments and those people. I'll never forget when I realized I have a problem. I can't quit this. I can't quit smoking. I, I, I got an issue. I was trapped. I believe every one of us in here can identify with this. We've all found ourselves trapped, trapped with a problem, trapped with an addiction, trapped in a mindset, maybe trapped spending. Maybe your spending is out of control. Maybe you're trapped in this, this, this alter ego lifestyle of all you've ever done is lied just to make people think you're something in life. Maybe you're trapped in this big lie. Your life is a big lie, trapped by a wrong relationship. Maybe it's trapped by alcohol or drugs, but you feel trapped. You feel like there's no way out. Maybe it's in your mind, and you, 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 the moment you put your head on your pillow, it's like you're, you're trapped. You, you can't get the thoughts out. What's going on with me? Maybe it's depression. I don't know, but you feel trapped. You just can't seem to get out of it. Every one of us has something in our lives that tries to drag us back and hold us back from fulfilling the call of God in our lives. Someone say, a way out. Come on, a way out. Now the enemy of your soul, the enemy of my soul, the devil, wants to do one thing to you and I, and that's get you hooked. He wants to get you hooked. And he has a whole tackle box of lures that he has lures that look real nice and shiny and lures that sparkle lures that draw you away from the things of God lures that spin and lures that shake and he also has in his tackle box some weights and different size hooks the Bible says don't be deceived by the sin that so easily besets you and the weights that bring you down. And the devil has different size hooks and different size weights, and he's got a, just a plethora of lures because he uses different things to tempt different people. And his purpose is for you to think this is real. How many people like to fish in here? Come on, I like to fish, man. We could go fishing this summer. Let's just do a church fishing Sunday or something. I'll do it. Don't tempt me. This is, this is interesting because you take a lure like this and, 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 and it's bright and shiny and it's got 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine hooks on it. Nine hooks. And, and you take this and you put some bait, you put a worm or minnow, whatever, and you put it on the hook and you cast it out there and you try to catch fish, right? Now, now, now there's, there's, there's probably a lot of fish in that lake or that reservoir, wherever you're fishing, that have been hooked before. You with me? There's a lot of them that have seen this lure. They've seen this temptation come by them, but it's almost like they just can't resist to try it one more time. It's kind of like us, right? The devil puts those lies out in front of us. Please understand this. The devil only has one weapon in his arsenal, and it's called a lie. The Bible says that he is the father of lies. He knows no truth in him. So he takes the truth of God's word, turns it around, and there's your lie. So he tells you, God tells you, you're beautiful, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. The devil always takes what God says and turns it around into a lie. The devil tells you, you're ugly, you never amount to anything. God says, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. You don't have to follow in the footsteps of your dad, your uncle. And the devil says, you're going to be just like them. There's a generational curse on you. So the devil always takes the truth of God's word, turns it around, and, get, and tries to get us to believe the lies, the luring lies of the enemy. Now tell me if this hurts. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Someone over there is like, oh my gosh, never come to this church again. He always takes the truth of God's word and perverts it into a lie. He knows the truth. Do you remember his position in heaven, the praise and worship leader? Oh, he knows all about the truth of God's word. That's why he perverts it to you and I and tries to get us hooked, tries to get us to take the bait once again. He knows if he can get you lured away from the truth, then he can hook you. He can hook you into believing a lie. It always looks satisfying, doesn't it? It always looks fun, the lure that tries to take us away from the things of God. Many times when you're fishing, you'll cast out and you'll begin to reel in. And when we were fishing with my grandpa when we were younger, it was called trolling. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Up on Lake Erie, we would take the boat out and the boat would be moving at a slow speed. We would cast out way out there, and the boat would move, and we would be slowly reeling in to try to lure that fish away from its natural environment to get them in a place where finally, after a few minutes or maybe a few seconds, he sees this attractive lure, and he finally bites on it. He finally bites on it. And that's how sin is, isn't it? You see, the Bible says that the pleasures of sin is fun for a season. When that season's up, it's no fun when you're on the, 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 the chopping block where they chop the fish up and fillet them, is it? It's no fun. It's fun for the season. And, 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 and here's what I've learned. Sin never makes a life better. It promises satisfaction but always delivers death. What does the Bible say? The wages of sin is death. So we're starting at the end result with our topic today because temptation, if taken, will lead you down a path of sin. I say it like this. The on-ramp of, on of temptation always leads you to the road of sin. 
I was driving the other day and I was around Indianapolis and I was trying to get, I was on a road and I was trying to get to the next exit, but 69 was right here. And so I said, okay, it looks like I got to get back on 69 to get to the next exit. So I got on the on-ramp and as soon as I got on the on-ramp, I seen a road off to the side that I could go off, you know what I mean, to get to that next exit so I didn't have to get actually back on 69. So I got on the on-ramp and as soon as I seen it, I jetted over and hit that road and it got to my destination. And it's so true in our lives that when the on-ramp of temptation happens, God always makes a way out. He always makes a way out and it's our decision whether we're going to take the way out or if we're going to get on the on-ramp of temptation and go down the road of sin. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, this is our our uh, home base for the next four weeks, and it says this, no temptation, someone say no, No. has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted. Someone say "When when you are. When you are tempted, he will also provide what? Say those next three words. Real loud, church. A way out. That you can endure it. Notice in the text it says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common. Someone say it's common. What does that mean? It's common to man. Every one of us dealing with temptation. Every person in here. Right? It's common. And then it says, But when you are tempted, it doesn't say if you are tempted, when you are tempted, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's coming. And I've understood this in my life, that every time there is a temptation, there is always a way out. Every time there is a temptation in my life, there is always a way out. When I get on the on-ramp of temptation. When I begin to have those thoughts that I know are wrong, there's always a way out, another road that God provides for me to take. I'm not always taking the right road. I'm not always taking the way out, right? But there's always a way out. What is temptation? Let's break this down. We're just laying a foundation today. It's just going to get better and better as the weeks go on. Come on. What is temptation? Temptation is anything, listen to this, that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. I'm going to say that again. Temptation is anything that promises you and I satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Hmm? Temptation. Scientists tell us that when we give in to such temptation, that our brain actually sets off a chemical called dopamine. It, dopamine, it really just gives you this hit. It gives you this thrill. It gives you this satisfaction for the moment. Huh? So you see something you want to buy, and you know you're on a budget, and you know you talk to your spouse like we're not spending, but that dopamine feeling kicks back in because you used to be addicted to QVC late at night. Come on, somebody. And you knew your credit card was still in the login, right? You didn't erase it. And you're like, well, he won't know. I'll just buy this. It's only $10.99 on sale. 
My wife's favorite words. It was on sale. Curse word in my house now. Dopamine, it sets off this thrill, this hit, this high. We say words even though it hurts others because we're on this high. Because it feels good to us for the moment to give them a piece of our mind, doesn't it? You better be careful given all those pieces of your mind. You're not going to have much left. Feels good. Take that drink. That feeling comes back. You just kind of escape for a minute. Feels good to go there to ease the pain. The dopamine kicks in and your brain rewards you with that hit of dopamine. And you're satisfied for the temporary. You're satisfied for the moment, but it's always followed by this. I shouldn't have done that. It's always followed by why did I go there? It's always followed by the letdown. It's always followed by the guilt and the shame when you wake up the next morning, isn't it? Am I helping anybody today? Many of us in here know this cycle far too well. Born again Christians, serving in the church, we know this cycle way too well. Today we're simply going to build a foundation for this series. I want you to lean in here as I give you four truths about temptation. Four truths about temptation. Number one, it's not a sin to be tempted. Can we say that together? It's not a sin to be tempted. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted. Who is that high priest we're talking about? Jesus. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, was tempted. The Bible says for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. By the devil. The same adversary that tempts us tempted our Savior, Jesus. And the Bible says he didn't cave into it. He didn't cave into it. And after the 40 days, the Bible declares that the devil left Jesus for a season. Can I tell you, the devil may have checked out of your room, but it's only for a season. Because temptation is lurking around the door. Mm -hmm. The Bible says in the Old Testament that sin lieth at the door. Sin's waiting for you to open. Hmm? So so if Jesus was tempted, we're going to be tempted. And it's not a sin to be tempted. Okay? Stay with me. So you're driving down the road and you see an attractive lady jogging. Hello. Yeah. And it doesn't help that she has yoga pants on. Come on, somebody. I'm just saying, that was the worst invention ever for men. I know you ladies like them. Pray for us men. And you can either keep driving. You see, you acknowledge, that's an attractive girl. It's not a sin, right? Or attractive man. He's got big muscles. Like your husband. Wish he had. (laughs) Trying to help you out. It's not a sin to look. It's a sin when you dwell on it. It's a sin when you rehearse it. 
It's a sin when it stays in your mind. It's a sin when you keep looking in the rearview mirror. It's a sin when you pump the brakes and stop and your neck turns around like the exorcist. And all, and let me just say, we've all been there. And if you say you haven't been there, we got a special room in the basement for you. It's called the room of liars. It's fun. You're at work and a wrong thought comes in your mind about a coworker that you despise. And you want to give them a piece of your mind. And you want to tell them right where they need to go. So the temptation comes, but you refuse to do it. Stay with me. It's elementary, my friend. It's so simple. The gospel's so simple. If you're looking for something else, it, this is a, just a simple gospel and a simple church. We're just going to break it down the way everyone can understand it. Amen? When someone tells you, when someone asks you about something in your life and you think it would be easier to lie than to tell the truth, that's a temptation. You have a decision to make. In the split second, am I going to tell them the truth or am I going to lie to make myself look good, to cover myself, or to cover others? What am I going to do at that point? I can lie, and I can cave into the temptation. I know I struggled with it in the past, and right now that temptation is hunting me down. I can either cave into it, or I can say no. It's late at night, and you're channel surfing, and boom, there she is. There he is. It's right in front of you. Do you hit the remote, or do you stay? Do you hit the up channel, or do you stay? The temptation is there. Now we have a decision to make. Are we going to take the lure? Are we going to allow the enemy to hook us once again? And we know where that leads us. We know the path of guilt and shame that we'll be traveling on for the next week. Oh, come on now. I came to make it real today. You're invited to the party. You want to go, but then you remember what happened last time. Well, I'm just going to have a drink. But one drink turns into two drinks. Two drinks turns into three drinks. Four drinks, you don't know how many drinks you had then. And you're doing things with people that you shouldn't be. You're hanging in environments that aren't promoting your walk with God. Now, you can do that. But is that what you want to do? Is that what you should do? Is that what you should do? Is that, is that the right thing to do? Because you remember what happened back then, right, when you went to that environment. Okay? So, so, so the temptation, the temptation is not a sin. But what our spiritual enemy, the devil, wants us to do is feel guilty for even being tempta- tem- tempted. He wants us to feel guilty for those temptations. Stay with me because some of you, I've dealt with this. Some of you need to hear this today. And so what he does, he does this. He puts a false guilt of shame, defeat, and hopelessness on us. What does that do? What does that do? We feel like we sin because we were tempted. You did not sin if you were tempted unless you took the bait. It is not a sin to be tempted, but in our minds, the enemy puts this false guilt upon us. And what do we do when we feel guilty? We often medicate our guilt with sin. Some of you grab this today because this is going to sound you free. We often medicate our guilt with sin. Well, I already messed up, so I might as well do more. I already had one drink. I might as well do more. I already fought it, so I might as well just act it out. 
That's what the enemy does. He wants us to medicate our guilt with sin. Because we think the temptation is a sin. I already messed up, so I might as well do a little more. I already said those words, so I might as well just unload on them. I already did it. The thought, I already acted it out in my mind, so I might as well act it out in life. Don't let false guilt be put on you. Number one, it's not a sin to be tempted. Number two, you are never above temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. So if you think you are standing firm, let's read these next words. Be careful that you don't fall. If you think you got it all together, honey child, super spiritual, Sammy thinks he's got it all. I know the word. I would never do that. I would never be involved in that. Be careful, buddy. Take heed, lest you fall. Be careful. You are never above temptation. You say, I can't believe they did that. They must not really be saved like me oh really super saint super brother hallelujah praise the lord i got my life all together no you don't you're a mess we just can't see your sins they're inside they're internal some people's sins are more seen than others you got the same mess in your life and it's actually worse jesus said because he said you got a religious spirit He said, I can't work with the religious spirit, but I can work with a lady who's had five husbands and still shacking up with another. I can work with the leopards who are the outcasts of society. I can work with Zacchaeus who's ripping people off, but you religious people, I ain't got time for it. You better read your Bible, sir. You better read your Bible, ma'am. You better read it. It's in there. Understand this, church. Satan will attack you at your weaknesses, but many times he'll attack you at your strengths. You didn't hear that. Satan will attack you at your weaknesses, but many times he attacks you at your strengths because you think, I could never fall into that. I could never cave into that like he did, like she did. And then the next thing is, you've fallen. Because the Bible says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Look out, LeBron. (laughs) That's from my buddy. Inside joke. You'll never get it. But they do get it. Because he's full of pride. He likes LeBron. And all of a sudden, what we magnified, what we glorified as the pinnacle of our spiritual walk now becomes our demise. This white boy is preaching today. I don't know if you've been here the last few weeks, but there's a new anointing on me. I stepped into something I've never stepped in in my life. And if you haven't been here for the last three weeks, you better get that podcast. The anointing will come through the podcast just like it does here. I wouldn't miss one service in this place because God told me four weeks ago, you're stepping into a new season. You're stepping, this church is stepping into a new anointing. And I literally felt the blanket of God's anointing upon me three weeks ago. And, 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 and so we must guard against self-confidence. Never think you're above it. Never think you're above it. 
Any one of us is capable of falling into deep sin. I see preachers, we see it in society. They're doing this and they're doing that. Oh man, my tongue is never on them. I'm not saying, oh, I would never do that. I'm not backbiting them. Well, they did this with the church money and they did this with church people and they misused and abused this. You know what I do? I pray for them. I pray for them. I pray for them. The Bible says, take heed lest you fall. Hmm? So, 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 so. I wouldn't be, be watching my weaknesses as much as I would be watching my strengths, the things that you think you got all together. Hmm. Number one, it's not a sin to be tempted. Number two, you are never above temptation. Number three, God will never tempt you. Can we say that together? God will never tempt you. Oh, God will test you, but God will never tempt you. There's a difference. There's a difference. Why do we test people? Have uh, you ever been in high school and you take a test, right? You take exams. We test people so that we can move them forward. I feel like staying here, but I got to keep moving. And, and so God tests you to push you forward, but Satan tempts you to pull you back. God tests you to push you forward. Are you going to pass the test of temptation? Because it's in God's plan to promote you in your life. It's a test. This is only a test. It's not the real thing. You know when they come on the TV and they interrupt your Jerry Springer show? I don't even know if it's still on, but Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. They interrupt it and say, this is a test brought to you by the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. But if this was the real thing, we would need you to take cover because there is a tornado heading for your house to destroy it. But this is only a test. God said, this is only a test. It's not going to destroy you. It's made to promote you. It's made to take you to the next level. You thought it was going to break you. No, it's going to take you. The enemy's role and responsibility is to tempt you to pull you back. But God says, I want to test you to push you forward, baby. It's only a test. God will not put a temptation in front of you. But he will see are they going to be obedient to me in this? Let me test their obedience. Are, are they going to be faithful? Are, are they going to step into my classroom and take the test? Are, are they going to move to the next level? Let me see if they can be faithful over cleaning the floors. Let, let me see if they can be faithful taking out the trash. Let me see if they can be faithful doing the things that nobody sees. Let me test them in this to see if they're ready for promotion. You see, you don't get up here and you don't do certain things in the church just because. God takes you from one season to the next, and it's all because of the test that he lays in front of you. Are you faithful? Are you obedient to the last thing God told you to do? Maybe you've never passed the test because you're not obedient to the last thing God told you to do. James 1 13, and remember when you're being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempting to do wrong. He never tempts anyone else. 
Martin Luther, the great reformer, said this, to be close to God, we need three things. We need prayer, number one. Number two, we need meditation. And number three, we need temptation. I read that and I said, did I read that wrong? Martin Luther said, we need, in order to be close to God, we need prayer, we need meditation, we need temptation. Then I began to understand it. We need to talk to God through prayer. We need to hear from God through meditation. And we need to learn to depend on God through temptation. Because in your own strength, you can't get off the hook. Huh? You, you, you can't get off the hook. When, when you get hooked, it's hard to get off. Right? And only in the strength of God. As you see, every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. You didn't hear it? Every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. He will always give you a way out. Number one, it's not a sin to be tempted. Number two, you are never above temptation. Number three, God will never tempt you. Number four, we close up. It's this. There is always a way out. Say that with me. There is always a way out. No matter what, there is always a way out. God said, I will provide a way out so that you can endure it. It's not going to be easy. He said, you're going to have to endure it. Did you hear that? It, the way out isn't like the easy road. Whoever told you serving Christ that it, all your problems are going to go away, it's going to be easy to follow Christ, they lied to you. They're down there in the basement room. They lied. It's not easy following Christ for any of us. For any of us. But the closer we get to Christ, the stronger we get in the area of temptation. The less times we're making the turn onto the on-ramp of temptation. Less times we go down that road, less times we put ourselves in those environments, less times we talk to those people because we remember where it took us last time. Less times we have foolish spending and buying things off impulse even though we don't have the money. Buying things to impress people that don't even like us. We become stronger and we realize that God always makes a way out. I, I don't know your way out today, but God does. Maybe it's through confession of your sins to somebody, maybe your spouse. I don't know your way out. It might be telling somebody about your struggle today. Your way out may be accountability in your life for the very first time in your life. You've never had somebody to speak into your life and be real with you and tell you the truth even though it hurts. Your way out may be rehab or counseling. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what you're hooked on. I don't know what you're hooked on. It, it, it may be a big deal. A bigger deal than what some of us are dealing with. And Maybe no one knows about what you're hooked on. And you say, man, I want a way out. The way out is through confession. The way out is through surrender. I said it's through surrender. It's the only way out if you're hooked on some sort of substance. It's the only way out. God is always there with the way out. 
It's a matter of us choosing the way out He has provided. We can take His way out or we can take our way out, so we think. And a lot of us, we, we take the latter and we, we think that way, our way is going to escape all our issues and our problems. So we have a little something here, a little something there to deal with the reality of our life because we never really want to deal with the inner problems. We just want to mask it and we just want to cover it up. And we cover it up with pills and a drink and we cover it up with a relationship and we cover it up with materialistic things because we never want to expose the real deep hidden issues of the heart. God will always make a way out. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of the obedience to God. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on God. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on God. He says when you're weak, that's when I'll be your strength. Every temptation is an invitation to pull a seat up to the table and say, God, I need you. I need you. It, it's too appetizing. I, I, it's, I, it, my mind's going crazy. It's luring me over. God, I, I need you. It's, it keeps coming my way. God, I, I need you. I need you, God. I need you today. It keeps throwing the hook in front of me. It keeps getting me hooked, Father God. And I, I need you. I need you in my life, God, to help me to find that way out. I, I, I don't want to be hooked any longer. I don't want to be hooked to a feeling. I don't want to be hooked to a relationship. I don't want to be hooked to a substance. I don't want to be hooked to a lifestyle that is not of you. I don't want to be hooked any longer. I want to be free. Stand with me today. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me in Jesus' name. It's simple as that. And I encourage you to find a good local church. If, if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.